Hello, faithful listeners. This is Pastor John Clowder from Faith Lutheran Church here in Forest Lake, and we are so glad that you are listening online to our online podcast. Welcome you to worship anytime on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 10.30, and thanks for being here. Thanks for participating in worship with us as we look forward to the week ahead. A reading from Revelation. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first time, and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. As I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the new one who is seated at the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. A Gospel reading from the 11th chapter of John. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you have been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep, so the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus again greatly disrupted, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew you would always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Grace and peace to you, my friends in faith. So when his friend dies, what does Jesus do? He cries. I asked the confirmation students about this on Wednesday night. I said, does that mean anything to you? Does it matter to you that Jesus shows some emotion? And their response was, they appreciated that Jesus cares for us, that this emotion shows that it makes him more human. That he's a real person and he's thankful for God in heaven to save his friend. They said it makes Jesus more relatable. And I thought about how relatable that must feel to us, especially as our confirmation students have sadness as well. 
I asked why All Saints Day is something that is important. Because we all know about Halloween and that day is October 31st, but it's really all about November 1st. It's about All Saints Day and then how we celebrate as a church on All Saints Sunday. And so the kids started sharing about some of the saints in their own lives. I reflected with them about how this was my first All Saints Day without my Grandpa John, my namesake, my baseball mentor, my faith cheerleader. I mean, he was the one listening to sermons online before it was cool. He would always, uh, after, after we'd touch base and give each other, uh, you know, a little rundown of all the sports, he'd ask, hey, how, how's Faith Lutheran doing? Uh, he'd ask questions off of the sermons, and he'd just love to be able to, to, to say that his grandson uh, had become a pastor. So now he's joined Grandma Barb. And of course... You know, he was the one uh, who, with this sports journey, uh, he joined Grandma Barb in January, and this was right after, because of COVID, all the delays and everything, the basketball season ended uh, just right before he died. And so I can only imagine how he must have loved going and telling Grandma Barb up in heaven that the Lakers won another NBA championship in a bubble. So our confirmation students, as those stories started coming out, they could relate. And they were able to light candles on Wednesday night for the loved ones who've gone before them. There are a lot of candles, a lot of memories shared. In fact, one of the small groups that was there on Wednesday night had three boys in that group who all have lost a grandparent this year. They didn't realize that until they started talking and sharing some of the names of the saints and realized all three of them had that in common. I reflect on how faith through this pandemic, has had funerals kind of experienced in many different ways. You know, at first, at the beginning of the pandemic, we, we held off. We didn't do any gathering and we didn't have any funerals for a long time. And then once we did, most of them were outside or they were small. And, and those gatherings, even going into this year and into this cycle of the pandemic, uh, into this cycle of All Saints, we had a lot of restrictions. And so there's, there's a crew of, of ladies who love to put on these funeral luncheons to be able to, to walk alongside families. And they started asking me, hey, when do you think we're going to be able to start safely serving meals again after funerals? And so that kitchen team of Barb and Kathy and Judy and a few other friends along the way, they scrubbed and cleaned literally every inch of that kitchen. I mean, I kid you not, like it is just immaculate because they were ready to serve again. We asked Barb, why is this so important to you? Well, she said, well, we help people in that grieving process by providing comfort food and fellowship. We serve instead of waiting to be served. People need time and they need space to share their memories. And we can help by providing that atmosphere for them to do that. And it's such a gift. And so, in June, we had our first meal following a funeral for Tom Lee's funeral. Now, Tom died in March after a very long struggle with Louis body dementia. But we waited until June to have his funeral so that his daughter could return to California and then come back after the school year so that she didn't have to quarantine her kids. Now, Tom was one of our regulars at Old Guys. And I tell you what, I mean, he, he was a storyteller. And Tom was also a state trooper. Uh, one of the cool parts about Tom is that as, the state tro- as, as a state trooper, one of the, the jobs that he had towards the end of his career, was driving the governor, which meant that he had years and years of being in close uh, company with Jesse the body. 
And I can only imagine some of the stories that he could have shared with us, but there was probably this little, you know, he, he couldn't tell us a, too much, but uh, Tom, Tom loved to have that responsibility. In fact, when he retired from that, his other passion was golf. And so he took a job as a starter at Tanner's Brook Golf Course. So Tom would say, you know, I worked for the state patrol to tell people to slow down. And then I worked at a golf course to tell people to speed up. Tom was one of three of our old guys who died this year. As we saw those pictures scrolling through, uh, Will Carlson, who would join us on Tuesdays at Old Guys at Keys, uh, he had a life of service. He was a veterinarian, but he also did mission work in Africa. And his stories were told to us that day through some beautiful eulogies. And in fact, former pastor of faith, uh, Don Foltz, came back and, and shared some of their stories and experiences of going to Africa together. Think about Merle Reebling, another one of the old guys. He was actually our designated reader. So at 9 o'clock, he would, he would go up into the lectern, and he was a frequent reader. And so if we had a particularly hard reading for the week, for example, like the Acts 2 reading on Pentecost Sunday, this is the one with all the Greek names that's got, you know, geography like the Medes and the Elamites. And, and by, you know, it's, it's really a tongue twister. The joke was that Merle would, of course, show up on Tuesday morning at Old Guys, and then if he realized that he wanted to duck out of his responsibilities for the upcoming Sunday, he would be able to say, ah, I think I'm going to pass this week. Well, I, I don't think he ever actually did, but he had such a great dry sense of humor, and he was just really sharp. You see, each and every single year, we, we remember all saints on that very first Sunday of November, which is today. And even as we look back and think about the differences on how we've been able to gather for funerals, the very first funeral of November in 2020 was for someone uh, in, our, in our community called, uh, her name is Gretchen Kuncher. Uh, she's a w- young woman who died of cancer. And her husband, Joe, is someone that, uh, he's a wrestling coach here in the Forest Lake School District. I know a lot of you guys know him. Uh, Joe, as we were gathering and trying to get, get ready for that service, you know, we were only just the immediate family was here. Uh, and so what a gift it was that our tech team was able to, to come and be able to, to provide the live stream for the service. Uh, and so as we're getting ready, Joe was saying, hey, I'm going to record my eulogy ahead of time. So I don't have to, I'm not going to want to give that on the day of the funeral. I'll record my eulogy ahead of time and then it'll, we can play it during the service. And so the night before I was kind of expecting that his, his eulogy would come over, that he was going to send that, that file and I didn't get it, and I figured maybe it was just the file just wouldn't, uh, wouldn't send or there was something going on. I was, wasn't too worried. I figured he'd show up the next day. Well, he did. He showed up for the service, and he had pre-recorded his eulogy. It was an hour long. Wow. And there wasn't a dry eye in the sanctuary. And I doubt there was a dry eye from anybody of the hundreds of viewers who were watching it from home. And I think about how the stories matter. I mean, the stories that Joe shared gave us a glimpse into just how much Gretchen meant to him and his family. How much it meant for him to be able to share that with those who were there with him that day. And so it's the stories of God's children that I get the honor and privilege to share with you. And Pastor Steve gets that honor and Deacon Nina. This is a tremendous responsibility and an honor that we have to be able to share those stories. So today, you're going to get to hear some of those memories. For example, Millie Hill. Millie Hill grew up next to a cemetery. And at a very young age, Millie realized, 
you know, there's nothing spooky or scary about this cemetery. She saw it as being a garden. And she loved to walk by her loved ones from years gone by. And she truly understood the significance of it, much like walking through our columbarium today. Millie was known to tell others, even from a very young age, that's where I'm going to be going someday. Joanne's smile, Joanne Olson, was this window into her personality. She was so inviting, so comforting. I loved she was always just, just this positive presence when she'd come to worship with us here at 1030. And I loved to sit with her at our Wednesday Lenten lunches. We had a gentleman whose uh, funeral, uh, his name was Winfield Olson. Uh, Whitey was related to the very first organist of our congregation. So think back. I mean, that was, this was a long time ago. So the very first organist of faith was Frank Miller in 19, or excuse me, 1888. In fact, Faith Lutheran had an organist 10 years before getting our act together and getting a pastor, which to me means that a pastor like me can blow hot air at you all day long, but you as a church realized even at the very beginning the importance of being able to use your voices to sing, to proclaim the good news, was one of the most important parts of being able to gather together as a church. Now, another interesting fact about Frank, uh, Frank Miller is, okay, so in, 19, in 1888, of course, you know, this is a brand new Swedish Lutheran congregation. Uh, I'm sure that, you know, they didn't have KTIS back then, but they had some, you know, their hip music and all the cool, you know, whatever the, the trendy songs were. There just so happened to be a brand new song coming out of Sweden that I'm sure this congregation loved to sing back then because it, it was written in 1885. It was called How Great Thou Art. Would have been the first, one of the very first new songs sung by this church. And I know what you're thinking. How Great Thou Art would have at one time been considered a new song. I know, it's mind-blowing. Music can be very instrumental to us in the ways that we tell stories. Gail Holton walked in while Brahms' German Requiem was played. Brahms wrote this piece for his mother who had just died. It echoes verses from Matthew 5's Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Gail also had some other songs she wanted played that day. For example, Sinatra's My Way and the Beatles' Let It Be. Plus, we had the reading of Ecclesiastes 3, which, of course, is the for everything there's a season and that song, Turn, Turn, Turn by the Birds. I would have loved to have heard the soundtrack of Gail's life. Byron Anderson, whose health started to really slip in the last few years and was so mad that this pandemic took away his ability to physically come to church. But this last summer, he finally did. He was able to come to church. And even though he needed a walker just to be able to get by, before he walked in through those back doors back by the sound booth, he made sure to put that walker aside and stepped into the sanctuary. And he went to his seat. In fact, as rumor, as legend has it, uh, when Byron went bowling towards the end of his life, even though he could barely stand, it didn't stop him from rolling three strikes in a row, which, I mean, I can't even do on two solid feet. We've lost some friends who thought they were going home, like Dar Jones. But then COVID hit, and just like that, she went home, but this time to her husband, George, in heaven. Her light went out on this earth. 
And so speaking of putting out the lights, at 9 o'clock, Sam Matson would always sit next to me. He'd always sit here. And so you, have, um, you, you would have had the luxury of sitting next to Sam and having him coach you through all of the things instead of having to like rely on me or Deacon Nina to help you figure out what to do and where to stand and, and, when, to t- and when to put out the lights. Sam loved this responsibility. And so as, as, a, as the one to help coach all of the acolytes along, uh, this was really important to him. Sam's grandson, Wesley, is now in confirmation, and the two of them were not able to, to be able to sit next to each other for worship for Sam to be able to coach him along. But Wesley, during Sam's funeral, came forward at the end of the service and took the, I don't know what the thing's called, but the thing that takes out, you know, that you extinguish. So he, he comes forward, and grabs it, and puts out one candle, and puts out the next, steps back, and bows at the altar just as Sam would have taught him. I mean, I got goosebumps. I still get goosebumps when I think about it. Of course, not all of the kids in our congregation knew his name was Sam. So when acolytes would come running up and say, hey, where do I go? I'd say, oh, go talk to Sam. And they'd look at me like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you know, the guy who looks like Santa. And they'd be like, oh, Santa Sam. Or... Or, as I learned, uh, once he was out shopping and a kid saw him at the, at the store and excitedly ran up to his mom and said, Mom, Mom, it's Annika Harry. God loves us all. You know, whether it was Gretchen in November of 2020 to Margaret Martinson, who we remembered yesterday. And all of those in between, like Jerry Rands, a prodigal son who found his healing by going home and being with you, Marianne. For Pete, for Twisted, also known as Twisted, Twisted as in Twisted Sister, Teslo. I think of all of the people that we have walked alongside in this past year. It's been a very full year. I certainly didn't talk about everyone, but each of us who is gathered here today, I'm sure is thinking of someone, reminded of the memory of them, hopefully putting a smile on your face of how they have touched your life. And so, as I asked the kids one other question Wednesday night, I asked them, what do you think the death of Lazarus was foreshadowing? And as groups, they read through the story and they came up with the answer. They said, well, it's, it's pointing us to the resurrection of Jesus, which is exactly right. But the good news for us is that the resurrection of Jesus is also a promise of resurrection for all of our loved ones who are here, that we are thinking of today. All of those stories attached to them, all of our friends and families, all of those leaders in faith. And this is phenomenal, phenomenal news that our loved ones live eternally in heaven. Death, my friends, is not the final answer. The resurrection of Jesus is. And that is something that we can cry tears of joy about. Amen. Well, that's it for this week's sermon. Thank you for joining us. Look for more information on faithfl.org or certainly reach out to the office if you would like to receive weekly email updates. Thank you.